Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. Amen. Well, we're in a series called Running with the Giants. Running with the Giants. And um, what we do here is we just take, take out biblical characters that have ran the race. And if, and if we could pull them from heaven, which we can't, but if we could pull them from heaven and say, hey, walk with me. Tell me, what can I do better in this situation? How did you make it through your situation? If we could just take a lap with them what would it be like? And um, I want to talk about Ruth. I want to pull Ruth out uh, and take a lap with Ruth and and just talk about Ruth. Um, If if she's anything like my wife, as we walk, you know, I just want to do a mile, but my wife's going to do five miles because we ate chicken last night. So, also, if she's anything like my wife, like, she's going to talk the whole time. And I just want a silent walk. I may be in trouble, but I love you, baby. <laughs> but, but, but Hebrews chapter 11 talks about the hall of faith. It talks about the men and women of God that have had, had faith through their journey. And that's one thing they all had in common was faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith in God, believing in every circumstance, every situation they was in. The Bible says that they obtained a good report, meaning they had faith. They trusted God. The Bible says, for without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that believeth God first must first Believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of of those who diligently seek him. And they believe that God was a rewarder. And that's where I am today. I'm I'm like, God, in my my situation today, I want to believe God. I want to have faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I want to have faith in God in every situation in my life. I want to walk by faith. And that's what these men and women of God did. They, they call them the, the, the hall, of, hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, Hall of Faith. You know, the Hall of Fame is uh, where they take great men uh, and women athletes that have played the game. They played the game. They, 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 they scored all the points and scored all the touchdowns, and, you know, and they did all these great accomplishments in life. And they placed them in the Hall of Fame. And oftentimes, they'll come back to some of the games, and they'll be on the sideline, and they'll cheer on Florida State, or they'll cheer on another team. And, and, and you know, it's something about cheering me on. When you cheer me on, I play a little harder. I, I run a little harder. I fight a little harder because of the applaud of the sideline. And these men and women of God, it says in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, wherefore, seeing we also are, com- are, are, are surrounded, compassed about 
with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. It says that these men and women of God, the great men and women of God of the Bible, like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Daniel and David, all of these men and women of God, they have ran the race. Now they're watching us as we run our race. Saying, cheering us on, saying, come on, you can do it. Come on, run a little harder. Fight, fight, don't give up. Keep on going. Have faith in God. And I want to talk about Ruth because she's one of those women that had great faith and that really believed God even in the midst of her circumstance. And I want to tell a story about it. Um, if you don't know it, there was a man by the name of Elimelech. And Elimelech lived in the city of Bethlehem, and he was married to a woman by the name of Naomi. And they had two sons, and they had a famine. It was, there was a famine that came into the land, a famine, and she said, he said that, you know, being the man that he is, hey, I got to support my family. I got to take care of my family. So they left Bethlehem to go into the city of Moab. Because he said, we got to get out of this situation because I'm the provider for this family, which all men should be. So I was hoping to get an amen on that. <laughs> Come on, man, y'all tighten up. But he took his family and they went into the, the, the land of Moab. And, you know, the Bible said as, as they were living there that her husband died. Her husband died. Now, that, that was her protector, her provider, her, her, her security. He died. She's grieving. And about 10 years later, the Bible says that both of her sons also died. Traumatic story. Sad. Now, here she is without a husband, widowed, and without her sons. No men in her life, no family in a city where she, she does not belong because the Moabites or the land of Moab didn't deal with the land of Bethlehem, the people in Bethlehem, because basically God cursed Moab whenever the children of Israel came out of Egypt. They tried to go through the land of Moab. But the Moabites would not allow them to pass through. And therefore, God cursed them for that. So here she is in this city, doesn't know anybody, and lost everything she had. Finally, she, said, she heard that, the, you know, God was blessing Bethlehem. So she said, I'm going to go back to my land, to my hometown. Y'all walk with me. As she, as she go back to her hometown, you know, the sons married. They had married. Um, some daughters of Moab, which was Ruth and Orpah. 
So she took her daughter-in-law and said, hey, we're going back. We're going to my hometown. As they was on the way back, she thought about it. She said, you know what? I'm paraphrasing, so y'all walk with me. Um, I don't have anything to offer you all. Why don't you go on back to your family, go back, marry somebody, have a great life. They begin to, you know, cry. No, we don't want to leave you. We love you. And um, she, was, she was like, well, I, I'm telling you, I have nothing for you all. Even if I have a son, you would not wait till he grow up so that you could marry him to keep the family name going. So why don't you just go back to your family? Orpah, her Ruth's sister, said, you know what? You're right. I'm out of here. Deuces. <laughs> you know what, mother-in-law? I ain't like you anyway. I ain't like how you always try to take over the house. I ain't like how you try to run the house. I ain't like how you tell me how to wash my dishes. I'm out of Come on, y'all know how it is with mother-in-law sometimes. Hey, if you're married, just keep on looking. Look at me. Don't you shake your head. Don't you say amen. <laughs> but she was like, y'all go back. Ruth, on the other hand, said, you know what? I'm not going anywhere. Your God will be my God. Where you live, I will live. Where you go, I will go. She said, there's nothing but death that can separate me from you. In other words, she said, I'm, I'm on this journey with you. I'm on the journey called life. I'm not giving up on you. That's a sermon for somebody. Don't give up on them. She said, let's go. We're going back. They go back to the land. Soon as they get back into the city of Bethlehem, all the people began to celebrate Naomi. Naomi's back. She said, do not call me Naomi. She said, call me Mara because my life has been bitter. She said, I'm no longer Naomi. I am now Mara, which means bitterness. In other words, I left out full, but I came back empty. I have nothing. I've lost everything. And now I am bitter. As they live, and live, you know, their life, Ruth, being the faithful daughter-in-law that she is, said, hey, mother-in-law, Naomi, I, I'm, I need to go to work. I need to provide. I need to make sure we have things to, you know, make ends meet. She go out into the field, and the Bible says, that the field she was in was owned by a man named Boaz. Come on, lady. Y'all know the story about Boaz. Everybody looking for their Boaz. Boaz was a hunk. He was, he was, a, he was a, a man of God, a wealthy man. And the Bible says that she just happened to be in that field, in his field, just working because, you know, the, the story goes, you know, if you're a poor or a widow, you are allowed to get the leftovers from the fields of the owners. So she was just getting leftovers. And Boaz, he came up and he asked his servants, you know, how things were going. And it was like, it's good. And he saw Ruth out there. He said, whoa, oh, my goodness. I don't know if it was the hips or I don't know if the hair, I don't know what it was. But he was like, my goodness. 
who is that damsel over there? And they was like, that's Ruth. You know, she came from Moab. That's the daughter-in-law of Naomi. He went to talk to Ruth. I'm paraphrasing this. Y'all walk with me now. He went to, go back and read the story. Great story. He, he, come, he come to Ruth and say, hey, uh, listen, don't you go to no other field. You stay right here. You work in this field. So I, he said, matter of fact, when we take lunch, you take lunch with us. Ruth, you know, she was out in the field after they, you know, had them did everything, took lunch. She's out there working in the field. Boaz told his servants, he said, I want you to, as she's gleaning the leftovers, I want you to drop some bundles of wheat as she come behind you. You know, and Ruth, she, she don't even know that Boaz then told his servants to bless her. She's just serving, just doing what she do, like working, trying to make ends meet. And, and she's walking down the line and she's, oh, good God, my, oh, Lord, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Where did this come from? Woo. God, have, you, have you ever just found a $100 bill or a $20 bill, you know, when you know you need gas money and you ain't got no, woo, thank you, Lord. Jesus, <laughs> you looking around, making sure nobody, you know, hey, this ain't yours, thank you. But she's just blessed. She's, she's blessed by Boaz, you know, just blessing her. And that's how God can do it. You know, God kind of sits high and look low and he see his servants and he see how faithful they are. And he, you know, you know what? Tell his angels, I, I just want to open a door for them. I want to be able to bless them with, a, with their promotion or, you know, I want to bless them with, you know, so a financial blessing. Or I mean, it, it, this not prosperity teaching now. This is just saying that God is able to bless us. But the real blessing is Jesus Christ. Eternal blessings. Amen. And I think if Ruth was walking with us, she would tell us to cleave to God. I think she would tell us to cleave to God. To hold on to God the way I held on to Naomi. Like the enemy's sole purpose is to get us to do like Orpah and turn back and go back to our old lifestyle. But I think Ruth will say, with all of your might, hold on to God. Don't turn back. I don't care how bad the situation may look. Hold on to God. Cleave to God. Cleave means to be glued to to be glued to God. And I believe that we got to leave some stuff so that we can really grab hold of God with both hands. But oftentimes we want to hold God with one hand and hold things with the other. So we don't have a firm grip on our relationship with God. And we allow things to separate us. Ruth said nothing but death should separate me from you. And there's things that sometimes we allow to separate us from God and from our relationship with God, whether that, that's money or our people in our lives or our choices we make or bad habits that we have or even sickness or whatever it is that calls us to say, I need some space, God. I need space. I need it because I got a hold of something else right now. 
I love the scripture in Ruth chapter 1, verse 14. It says, And again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her God. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. I'm telling you, we got to be determined to go along and to hold on to Jesus no matter what. I don't care how bad the situation may look. Don't let go. Don't let go of Jesus. Just hold on to him and, and continue. When I say Hold on to Jesus. I mean, when I say cleave to him, hold on to the word of God. Hold on to prayer. Hold on to fellowship with other believers. Hold on with just serving. Continue to walk this Christian journey and don't let go. Paul says it like this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He said, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Paul said, I haven't achieved it yet. I haven't reached the goal, but I press on. Paul's goal was not a big house. His goal was not to own a business. His goal was not to, to have the best marriage. His goal was not to be the CEO of the company. His goal was not to have all the degrees. His goal was to have the heavenly prize. I'm telling you, all of that stuff is good. It's good to have money. It's good to have your home. It's good to have a good relationship. It's good to have all of your degree, degrees, but nothing mounts up or adds up to your relationship with God and with Jesus Christ. Paul said it like this, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Nothing is more important than your relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't turn away. The enemy's sole purpose is to get you to turn back, to turn away from God. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came that they may have life and life more abundant. The enemy's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't turn back, whatever you do. I think Ruth would say, hold on. To God's unchanging hand. I also think Ruth would say, serve God and serve people. Serve God and serve people. Like if we serve God, it would be easy to serve people. If we love God right, it would be easy to love people right. 
We got to get to a place as believers where we are willing to invest in other people. We got to be willing to invest in the lives of other people, people that I see, the cashier or the, the, the lady at the grocery store or, or, or the, my classmate or my coworkers, all of the other people in the world, we got to start investing in. We got to start letting them see the love of God in us. Even church members and family members begin to invest in them. Show them how much you love them and how you are willing to serve them and connecting with other church members. I love how Paul says it in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He says, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul said, this has been my lifestyle. I constantly help people. This is the example that I set for everybody else. And we as believers have to start setting an example for the people of the world so that they would know that Jesus loves them. I love how he said, and Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. He said, let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. Bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. Oh, we're going public with this. How about we do that? How about we go public with Jesus? How about we begin to tell the world about Jesus? How about we begin to be that light on the hill for Jesus? Huh? How about we begin to show God colors so that the world can see? How about we go public on Facebook and public on Instagram? And how about we TikTok Jesus? <laughs> Amen. No, we're going public with this. I love how he say, now that you put, you have been put there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you will prompt people to open up with God. This is generous, Father, this generous Father in heaven. Hey, I want to prompt people to want to come to God. I want to love people so much, they want to come to Jesus. I want to live for God so much, people see me living for God, and they say, I got to have some of that. I want what you have, because you're shining. Come on, it's time to shine, y'all. It's time for us to shine. I love, you know, the way Martin Luther King said it. He said, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. Everybody can be great because everybody 
can serve. You are here to make a difference in somebody's life. Somebody in your circle, somebody in your class, somebody on your job, somebody in the grocery store. It's meant for you to make a difference in their life. Come on, everybody can serve. You don't have to have a lot of money to serve. You don't have to have a master degree to serve. You don't have, have to, to be the CEO to serve. Everybody can serve. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom. Let us roll our sleeves up and begin to make a difference in somebody else's life. Begin to invest in people around you. I think Ruth will also tell us, don't be bitter, be better. Don't be bitter, be better. Ruth would say, I've experienced bitterness in my life. She, she would say, I've seen my mother-in-law. I live with bitterness in the household. And I know how angry you can be and how uh, unhappy you can be by living in bitterness. She would say, don't be bitter, be better. Allow God to cleanse you of the bitterness in your life. I lived a life of bitterness. I was bitter for years. Never knew that I was bitter at my parents, at my mom, angry at my mom for the life that I had, the situation I find myself in, angry at my mom, bitter at my mom because I didn't feel loved and I felt rejected. And the only way I was able to be released of that bitterness was my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I would have never knew it until I met Jesus and he shined the light on the bitterness that was in my heart. Come on, don't be bitter, be better. Some of us are angry and disappointed at the way uh, our life has treated us. You're mad because maybe you're bitter because he said he would marry you and he backed out on you. Or maybe your mom uh, got a divorce from your dad and they were Christians, but they separated. And now you feel abandoned because she never came back. And you're bitter and angry and upset. Could be something small, like I got cut from the, the sports team or I got cut from the clique. And it crippled me. Or maybe on your job. Maybe they cut the position. Maybe your boss let you go. And you're angry and bitter at her. Or maybe it's a divorce. Maybe you've gone through a divorce and, and it's been 10 years now. And you're still angry and you're still bitter and upset at your ex and at your in-laws. bitter. My wife, when I met her, she was bitter from her divorce. And when I met her, that's all she ever talked about was the in-laws and how she didn't like those people and, 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 and her ex and, and how, how bad he was and, and, and everything they went through and bitter. 
And then she, she, she met the man of God, the Holy Ghost, the spirit-filled believer. And I say, you can't be bitter. <laughs> you got to be better. <laughs> you can't because, look, look, I love the way the scripture says it in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. It says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. See, root, the, the, the bitterness is a root in our lives that we need to pull up because it corrupts other people. How deep is the root in your life? And I'm here to tell you, you can't dig it out yourself. You got to allow a relationship with Jesus Christ and get connected with him so that you can say, I forgive them. And oftentimes when we're bitter, well, a lot of times we're bitter over some things that we've done. I'm bitter over the choices I made. Bitter over the situation I got myself in. Others are bitter because of things that happened to them in their past that someone else may have brought to your life. And you're bitter over that, and you've never really been free. For I know we can't say we're bitter. I know, I know. We're Christian folks. We're church people. We can't really say that we're dealing with this stuff. But the truth of the matter is Jesus wants to set us free. Jesus wants to bring deliverance in our lives. Don't be bitter. Be better. Begin to examine yourself. Evaluate yourself and see where is the bitterness coming from? What caused the bitterness? And begin to allow God to uproot it, confess that thing to God. Amen? Don't be bitter. Be better. I also think Ruth will say, as I get ready to close, as we're walking with her, I think she'll tell us, my life didn't start out so well. My life didn't start out so well. I mean, I had a dark time in my life. I went through some hard situations and some bad situations, and my life wasn't pleasant. My life was bitter. And I think she would tell us that, you know, like you, you may have been going through something now. You may be in a situation now where you say, this isn't the way I like for my life to be going. This isn't how I plan this. I think Ruth would tell us, let God write your story. Let God write your story. Because God, I love him. God, the Bible says, will take the weak things of the world to confound the wise. God will call those things that be not as though they were. God can take a messed up situation, a situation that's impossible to man. It's possible to God. God can rewrite your story. Just give him the pen. Stop trying to write your own story and allow God to write your story. I love the way the Bible says it in, um, in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. He said, for I know the plans that I have for you. 
plans of good and not of evil. To give you an expected end. God is saying, I got a plan for your life if you will allow me to write it. And God said this scripture, when the children of Israel was living in destruction, the walls of Jerusalem was destroyed. But God gave them a word and said, I got to expect it in for you, even in the midst of your chaos, even in the midst of the rubble, even in the midst of your darkness, even in the midst of your sin, even in the midst of the mess that you may be in, your life mess. I got, I got a plan for you. Just give me the pen and let me write your story. The Bible says that Boaz ended up marrying Ruth, a man of God, and an outcast, a Moabitess woman. And God took them and joined them together. Her dark story, God took her and brought her to Boaz. Where she was working in the field, she ended up owning the field. And from that relationship, the Bible says that they produced a son by the name of Obed. And Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of King David. And King David is the lineage that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, came through. Don't tell me God can't rewrite your story. Give him the pen today. Let us bow our heads.